Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. darling it's me elvira mistress of the dark the sassy lassie with the classy chassis ty webb heavy longmire gustav mateblanc is glk london transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second this is glk london transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. All right, well, hello, folks. We got the Can You Hear Me, a special emergency episode. Heavy is lost somewhere out in the woods, and Ty is doing special professional things that have him tied up. And because of Mother's Day, we couldn't get together and record, so we ran out of material. So I have enlisted my lesbian best friend, the fake Bailey J, to come on and um, wow you with her dazzling comedic skills. Welcome to the podcast, fake Bailey J. Thank you. Thank you. So as always, I'm Gustav Monteblanc, and you can find me on Twitter at RealGustav. And uh, you can email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. And unfortunately, the fake Bailey J does not have a Twitter account. I'm not even sure if she has an email, except somehow she manages to send us things every once in a while. So that's enough housekeeping. So let's get down to business. And uh, I've got a few notes about the fake Bailey J I wanted to share with everybody. She's been described as a... Lesbian Punky Brewster, mm-hmm. and uh, is probably not what you would call a people person. <laughs> Correct. And as you can detect, when she actually does talk, she has a pretty strong country accent. Backwoods hick. Which is interesting because I would not lump you into the backwoods hick category. Hmm. That's all I hear. I hear banjos playing whenever I hear my voice. Well, I, that's what I hear, too, but I wouldn't <laughs> lump you into that. So oh. you and I met in the 903 wilderness during college, mm-hmm. and we worked at the same music-slash-bookstore where we were pretty much music snobs. Yes. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Man, it was absolutely the worst of times. That's when Candy and the Wind hit. And the Titanic soundtrack. I do remember that. How many hundreds and hundreds of copies did you sell of those two shitty albums? So many singles. And unbeknownst to me, this quiet banjo-talking girl (laughs) that looked like Punky Brewster would become one of my best friends. And I'm not not sure how that happened because I was a real asshole back then. Fight. Just fight. I know, but I, I still don't understand how we, uh, you know, we didn't work that much together at first since you worked in the mornings usually. Yeah. And then I worked in the evening, and uh, we had to work on Saturday mornings, which was a total beating. Well, for the all-important meeting. Oh, yeah, had to get that stuff, and we had to stock, too. 
what little was left. And I guess that's how we clicked. I don't know. Well, probably the uh, shared hatred of Candle and the Wind singles. And the shared hatred of everybody else. Well, yes. That's a given. But, you know, so we weren't. You were pretty introverted back then. Not like now, where you're just uh, (laughs) the world's greatest extrovert. (laughs) And a hate monger. Right, and a total hate monger. And (laughs) really thinks that that one side that lost had the best uniforms. Well, there's no accounting for fashion. They were snazzy dressers. (laughs) But somehow we, we forged a friendship, and we are at around 20 years right now. Good God. Which is not, you know, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to the rest of the Can You Hear Me podcast crew. But for somebody that just met me out of the blue, that's a pretty good run. Yeah. I don't think I've I've got anybody else in that that frame. Pretty much anybody else that's met me just continues to think that I'm an ass. So. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Thanks for backing me up. You're welcome. Now, one thing about both of us that we've noticed over the years. We have a very uh, Larry David-esque interaction with the world. A what kind? Larry David, you know. We're, oh, Larry David. Yes, duh. Uh, it's Kirby. I thought you said David-esque, like the well, statue or something. I was thinking I'd... Right. Well, that that does go back to part of our relationship <laughs> is that you have <laughs> the, the Gustav-esque part of the state, uh, statue that broke off in the Goonies. <laughs> Yes. You used to. I don't know if it still exists. Did it finally break? Yes. That's so sad. Well. Pour one out for Gustav's plaster cock. (laughs) Poured. Now, I do have a bunch. I've got like two boxes of alginate. We can build a new one. We can build one out of concrete, reinforce it, put some rebar in there. (laughs) If you build it, they will come. (laughs) Well. One for the for the for the ages, and I think I even <laughs> bought some uh, food grade epoxy that we could actually make. What a, we could make one that would be uh, vag safe, not for you, but for anybody else that would want one. You know, <laughs> you're getting like the concrete one. I don't want I don't want that near your vag, but oh, I want the rebar version. You want the rebar? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <wait. laughs> but yeah, so I, I think I've got that out in the barn, but. That's that's one we'd have to get. Uh, I'd have to get Mrs. Gustav to help, like the first one, because that's not a one man job. No, no, we got to get that in stores on Walmart shelves across the country. Maybe sell it on Etsy. <laughs> yes, handmade items. <laughs> Somebody today on Twitter, and this is totally foreign to you because you don't know, but the the Can You Hear Me podcast audience intersects with several other locally, regionally famous podcast around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And one of those is the Bibbs Be Like podcast and with uh, Melissa Morrow, the Red Witch. And I think it was Valley Butcher, another one of our listeners, posted a picture of this old lady doing arts and crafts at a nursing home making this tiny little uh, clay cock. So she said, Melissa said she was stealing the Gustav mood. And I said, nah, they don't have anything in the Monoblancs. I found the picture of the jack-o'-lantern and the cock oh, statue. You? Yes. <laughs> it still makes me laugh. Well, maybe that's how they'll spend their uh, Halloween at the nursing home this year. 
I'd hate to think what goes on at the nursing home. You know, there's been a big rise in since Viagra came along in STDs at the nursing home. So I hear, and I saw a article maybe just today that said uh, the residents of such are engaging in activities two to three times a week. Damn. That's yeah. That's that's awesome. That's that's well, hope for the future. Uh, it's that or play bingo, I guess. Well, you, you could probably do both. You know, get the bingo <laughs> in. And, Possibly. Sling a little uh, astro glide around in the afternoon. <laughs> in the blotters. Right. Just, just sit <laughs> down in it. Now, one thing that I remember when I, I've talked to some old men that have become widowers, and the old ladies come out of the woodwork. I mean, they're, they're really? like, they don't even let the, the ground settle at the cemetery. They're, you know, bringing food over. Is there anything I can do for you? You know, it's not overt, but it's... They come out. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because there's more old ladies than there are old men. Yeah. So it's a fixed commodity. Well, I guess that makes sense. So Supply and demand. Supply and demand. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out in the lesbian community. Well, which is probably not I, as well. Something I think about all the time, obviously. Well, but who doesn't enjoy a good casserole? Oh, or talking about their feelings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Watching some crappy Wolf Studio movie. Have you have you tracked down the Wolf Studio phenomenon? Have you have you you know really found out who's churning out all this high quality lesbian films that are available on Netflix twenty four seven? No, I haven't because every time I see the logo that howls on the screen, and immediately I roll my eyes and come close to turning it off, but, but then I go ahead and give it a chance. You continue to watch it. Now, is there nudity in these films? I don't even know. I can't even remember. They're just bad. Just lots of sweatpants and... Yeah, Crocs. And Crocs and ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. Well, gelato, probably. <laughs> Maybe something in the crock pot. <laughs> right. So Simmering. <laughs> So I did want to talk about, and we've talked, we've been talking about this here recently. When we first made our friendship, you were engaged to a young man. Yes. I'm that not poor sure, boy. I'm not sure I ever saw him. Maybe I yeah. did. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. But I was totally oblivious to any chance that you even were <laughs> a left-handed softball player. Correct. Until. The future Mrs. Gustav and I stopped by, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to introduce this young lady in my life to the constant lady in my life, the fake baby mm-hmm. Jay. And yes. you were hopped up on pain pills. <laughs> little dental work for the day. Had some dental work. You were feeling good. You mm-hmm. showed us a lot of uh, collage work or something you've been doing with the Angelina Jolie pictures, which you were real proud oh. of. I didn't even recall that part, but, yeah, probably. And, you know, I said, well, you know, we'll let you go. And we left, and we got in the car, and Mrs. Mondeblanc, future Mrs. Mondeblanc, said, so uh, you didn't tell me fake Bailey J was gay. <laughs> and I said, what? What? No, she, she likes women. And I said, well, who doesn't? <laughs> no, she's a lesbian. And I said, that's impossible. Right. And as truth comes out, 
she was right and I was completely oblivious. If it hadn't been for her, 20 years later, I still might not know. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have at that point. I don't know. fascinated by a world that you have embraced over the last five or six years. Yes. And that is the world of the horror convention, uh -huh. which I assume kind of is an offshoot, like a grandchild of the Star Trek convention, kind of where that genesis came from. Probably. I don't know how long Star Trek conventions have been around or if Comic-Cons were before them or after. I don't know. You've been to a Comic-Con also, not the big one, but you've definitely been to like a, a Dallas Comic-Con. Well, I've been to a sci-fi con thing. Okay. Um, I will be going to the, oh no, that's the Dallas Expo or something here in a month or so. Go to the big San Francisco one, but that I can't even imagine now. Yeah, I think that would be... Uh both overwhelming and just the dealing with it, probably really expensive. But oh, I'm sure. I know the I know the Star Trek stuff started back in the 70s originally. I think that's kind of where all of this kind of oh minor stars, big yes. stars too, but minor and you know and people kind of get together and sell merch and stuff like that. But you mm -hmm. notice how I use that technical term merch. That was <laughs> good. I can really know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's. Pretty much how I operate my day-to-day -day life. I just kind of fake things and say things, hoping that people are like, oh, yeah, he seems to know what he's talking about. Throwing <laughs> really keywords. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta, this, this is totally a paradigm shift that we have to make here. That you know, Things are not in equilibrium. Here. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Actually, I got, uh, I got uh, some people. They stopped listening to me, uh, some higher-ups, and they said that I was too technical. <laughs> You were just using keywords you read. Well, I, I was actually breaking things down hard for him and oh. you know, banging on the table with my shoe like Nikita Khrushchev. And <laughs> they didn't want to hear what I had to say, so they labeled me as too technical, even though I was pitching softballs to them. But Giving them the dummy version. I was dumbing it down, but they, they couldn't take it, so I got well. labeled as Mr. Technical. <laughs> Which you fully embraced and loved. Well, I did, but, you know, the, the people in charge of it, they weren't making the right decisions based because they weren't listening to me. And yeah. now other some of them, not the top level, but mid-level are like, yeah, you were right. We should have listened, but we're still mm. not really going to do what you say. So, you know, anyway, <laughs> but thanks. Huh. Yeah. So you got these conventions of all sorts. And yes. And you... Uh, your particular love, if you're not watching really bad lesbian movies on Netflix, is... <laughs> Thanks to Wolf Distribution. Wolf Distribution. Not to be confused with Dick Wolf Productions of Law and Order, I assume. <laughs> no, I think it's different. Maybe that's like a side project he's got going for that. Maybe. Lucrative lesbian film market. <laughs> I hope so, anyway. So you have this convention, and you've got some, I guess... Big names in the horror world, but probably you're not dragging down the big stars. I think it's leaning a little more that way now that these are becoming so popular. Uh, yes, most of them are, quote, lesser names or whatnot, which I really 
like because that's who I'd rather care to see anyway. Right. Um, I would imagine those people are more accessible also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and not costing you a small fortune to get them to write their name on a piece of paper. So speaking of the, the, the business side of it, so uh, I would assume that in today's day, you know, there's a cover charge for the event itself. Yes. And knowing how everything is in this world, I would assume there's also the option for a VIP package. Correct. Of that up, is. Upsell. Yes, and that usually includes different for everyone, obviously, but this particular one, the horror convention, it involves or includes a, oh, basically a goodie bag of, I don't know, DVDs and some posters, and they had special uh, horror versions of uh, sodas and stuff, And but the other thing is access to all the after parties and screenings and panels and you get several line skips so you don't have to wait with all the rest of the goofballs in line. So you, as we've talked about, are probably what we would call an introvert. Yes, so I would say that. Here we are taking you willingly and thrusting you into a crowd. Right. Another good thing about the VIPs, you get in an hour ahead of everyone else. Ah. So, so that alone is maybe worth the cost there. Okay. That's that's reasonable. Uh, yes. And you go in, and I would assume it's like in a convention center, and you've got tables and stuff, and but mm -hmm. you have to go stand in line for these stars, though, right? Yes. And you have to, like, is there a uh, some kind of uh, hold your spot type thing or a reservation, or how does that work? No, it's like rides at Six Flags. You basically weave in and out of the little snake thing. Okay. So and depending on how popular the person is, the longer your line may or may not be. Okay, so you need to kind of strategize which who you're going to see. Like, oh, man, I've got to go see that kid that was in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of, I mean, Temple of Doom, you know, that short round guy. i got to go see him. Yes. Find his location. Get to him. You already know ahead of time, right? There's not like any surprise guests. No, not at this one, anyway. So you know that you who you've seen before, and is it more about for you collecting something from everybody, or do you go back and see the same people sometimes, multiple times? The only person I think I've seen a few times that I just really liked so much that they were so nice or whatever the case may be was um, James Hampton, which, uh, let's see, what's he been in? Sounds like uh, somebody I would really like to meet because I can't think of who the hell that is. Right, exactly. Well, he's been in lots of stuff and you'd recognize him, but he's fairly local and so he would come every year, and he's just the sweetest, nicest guy. So it's neither of us can think of anything he was actually in. I he was in Teen Wolf. Uh, he's the guy that wears the dick nose. Uh, oh no, that's the oh that's that's an older guy. Okay, yeah, that guy's yeah. Been in everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in just tons. And he is an alumni of uh, North Texas. Yes. So that's pertinent to like two of the people that listen to our podcast. And um, so James Hampton was in 
Hangar 18. That's right up in my alley and probably uh, one of our listeners, Toledo's alley, since that's about uh, about alien abductions and uh, the government having a spacecraft. Oh, he was in Condor Man, which was absolutely horrible back when Disney decided to make <laughs> really bad movies, as well as The Cat from Outer Space. Well. Another uh, horrible. But he was in The Longest Yard. Okay. Burt Reynolds, which I had a the Longest Yard discussion today at work, and no one huh. had seen it. What? Yeah. I was in Sling Blade, which that's pivotal in our relationship. Mm-hmm. We worked in the music uh, book video store when Sling Blade came out and spent pretty much about a year doing Billy Bob Thornton <laughs> impersonations. <laughs> Splitting the time on the DVD player between Sling Blade and Bottle Rocket. Those were our two high-rotation films, <laughs> and uh, still live with the say. So, okay, so that's a nice, that guy looks nice. I've yeah. seen him in a ton of things, and yes, I can't imagine that his uh, line would be very long. And he would be happy that you would, someone like you with uh, such a sweet disposition, <laughs> probably with a shirt that's a little bit too tight, <laughs> would be talking to him. So, yes. Yeah, so that's a, that's yeah. a recipe for... Uh, for a win-win all around. Win-win disaster. You have to, for somebody like James Hampton, do you have to pay for his autograph? Yes. He, I don't know, 10, 15 bucks. It wasn't anything crazy by any means. And he, of course, wanted to take a picture with you at no extra charge. You know, everything. He was so, just a sweet guy. So some of these people, it's a charge for the autograph and an additional charge for a picture with them? Oh, yeah, and that's just a selfie picture. Now they've got these setups where you can have an actual, like, Sears family photo setting sort of thing. And I have seen those where it's obviously like they're just running the people in. Yeah. It's the same background and everything. It's not at a table or anything, and you get to. Yeah, you get about three seconds. So let's say if I had somebody, uh, we've talked a little bit about prices, and I realized, like, some of these are getting up to, like, 100 bucks now. Yes, easily. I would have to really like that person. It would have to be some high-level stuff like Linda. uh, uh, Tripp. No, not Linda Tripp. (laughs) That'd be 150 for Linda Tripp. Oh, you're right. And you know what's funny is no, hardly anybody that listens to this is going to know who Linda Tripp is. Oh, I'm so sad. Because we're old. Well, that's okay. And informed. And informed. So to save. Our listeners at home, and you have to go Google this. Linda Tripp was the lady that kept the cum stained dress from Monica Lewinsky and President Clinton. And there you go. Broke the Monica Lewinsky scandal, and that was something that happened before a lot of people that listened to this were born. And I'm speaking specifically like Jordan James, I don't know if he even knows that some things happened before the year 2000. So. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, I would pay $150 to have my picture taken with a little trip. <laughs> Good call. If I get to wear the blue dress. Oh, well, that might cost extra. That's, that's extra. Worth it, though. Uh, now, I was thinking of uh, Linda Carter, who is pivotal in my section. I would be good with that. I would pay 100 bucks to have my picture with Linda Carter of Wonder Woman fame. Yeah. So, maybe that. But everybody else, I would be hard-pressed to pony up that kind of dough. Yeah. But uh, I would imagine most of them are like 25 or something, probably for your, and then up 
didn't you yeah. say like Robert England of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fame was a, a high dollar one? Yeah, he was. I think he was wanting eighty or sixty or eighty. But you know, as far as eighties horror goes, that's the face of it. That's the man. His line was wrapped long ways. He had. He was. Everyone was there to see him. Basically, well, that makes sense because if there's anybody that I think of horror, it's yeah. it's him or everybody else had masks. True. Yes. So Jason was buying a mask and oh, Michael Voorhees. Masks, so Myers, Myers, sorry, <laughs> Jason Voorhees. I got him. There you go. Obviously, I'm not the horror fan that you. <laughs> you tried though. I tried. I was trying to throw that out again. Back to how I live my life. Throwing things out. Get those buzzwords. <laughs> now, you've posted pictures over the years on Facebook, and I've always been amazed at some of the people that I recognize, and then some of the obscure people you come up with. Yeah. And. You seem to be as happy as can be, no matter who it is. Well, yeah. It's just someone I want to see one way or the other. Right. Just because they're more famous, I don't care. Now, I think back when I used to fly, was working out in L.A., I would fly in on Thursday. And I would see, I think, a lot of people flying from L.A. to uh, Dallas for these types of conventions. Mm. Because I met Ernie Hudson of Good. Ghostbusters fame. And now Grace and Frankie, which I'm obsessed with. I have not seen that. Well, it's probably closer to a wolf film than you care. Okay, so he was very nice to me. We talked a couple of minutes as we were walking along. And you know, I was like, hey, I followed my rules of meeting celebrities. Uh, number one is I know your real name. Number yeah. two, I genuinely like what you do. Mm-hmm. And three, you're not with your family. So he, all those criteria were met. So I said, hey, Mr. Hudson, just want to tell you, you know, really enjoyed your work all these years. And so he, he was happy. He talked to me. But we, I asked him why he was going to Dallas. And he's like, I got this convention thing. And he seemed like there were other things he'd rather be doing on that particular day than flying to Dallas to do a horror convention. Yes, and I have noticed that in some of the guests when they're sitting there writing their autograph. Oh, that would be a total whipping. The pictures wouldn't be bad. I think that would be okay. Then I feel uncomfortable, like I've impositioned them that I wanted to pay them money for things. Yeah, but I would think that you would get hand cramped from the, uh, the autographing. Hey, you know what? Suck it up. Well, I realize, yeah, I mean, you're paying more than $10 for everybody. Yeah. Sure, I'll I'll write my name $10 a pop all day long, but I can see where. And, you know, that's probably not where they envisioned themselves when they were starting as an actor. But depending on what, maybe your age, because I want to say, and I can't remember the guy, uh, a lot of these people I would see, they would be flying in coach. and. Hmm. But some of them were flying first class, and they were usually the older ones. So I don't know if that's because they managed their money or if they were getting – because I would assume your expenses, you know, they fly you out there and put you mm-hmm. up. But I wasn't sure. If, and these guys weren't like big actors sometimes, and their names escape me. Uh, but they would be in first, so I don't know if maybe they were doing enough of it. They were getting upgraded because they'd flown so much during the year. Possibly. I Yes, I'm not sure. I think some of these people totally live off these conventions now, and others 
I think can do what they want, I guess. Because I would assume you get paid an appearance fee plus your expenses, and then whatever you make selling your uh, your 8 by 10 glossies and your autograph, so that's good on you. Yeah. And some of these people, I've never seen them work in anything else that I know of when I look at your pictures. Now, there is yes. one guy that, to me, has been in almost everything, and that's Brad Dorf. <laughs> and I've always loved him in everything from the Jonestown Tragedy, starring the Great Powers Booth that we reference all the time, to mm-hmm. David Lynch's Dune and Deadwood and so many other things. This guy works nonstop, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But I think I've seen, I think you've seen him like a couple of times. Or maybe it was just once. Maybe there were just more than one picture. But uh, that's always been one of the ones that stood out. And then, of course, when you got to meet Elvira, that probably would have been a high point there for me. I don't know what her line cost. Yes. Hers was not as terribly priced, though, as some of these other people that are asking. Wasn't as much as Robert England, so. Well, I would rather have my picture with her. Well, me too. Yes. It, hers was not as terribly priced, though, as some of these other people that are asking. Wasn't as much as Robert England, so. Well, I would, I'd would rather have my picture with her. Well, me too. I also noticed that, uh, you know, I think you got a little bit of Walking Dead people one time. A few of them, yeah. That was before I didn't care about the show anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, what do you do? I, I, I stopped carrying when I heard, found out that they were going to kill Herschel because you can't kill Santa Claus. Well, I, yeah, now I'm ready for him to kill all of them. Now, one that stands out out of your pictures, partly because he looked awful, but partly because <laughs> he was big in our childhood, and that was Grizzly Adams. Yes. And didn't uh, you had something special to take to him, didn't you? I didn't have it yet. I got it after the convention, actually. Oh. I know. I was so sad because when I was little, I had the Grizzly Adams action figure with the button on his back that made him chop with the axe. And I was telling him about how, you know, we used to watch it when we were little, and he had, had the action figure. And I was telling him how his action figure had orange underwear. And we both thought that was awfully funny. Did he offer to show you his underwear today? He did not, <laughs> but he was very sweet. He seemed very genuine. Was he coked up at the time? No. I didn't think he looked that bad. Well, no, he didn't that, but, you know, he he was one of those stars that had a big problem with coke. Yeah. When he hit big. And it was the 70s, and it was, you know, California and everything. I think Who didn't? Him and Jan Michael Vincent and Stacy Keach, I think, were like the three... Uh, up-and-coming TV stars that really uh, struggled with the uh, with White Girl. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and guess because we've talked about it before, but I would say your strangest interaction mm-hmm. was probably uh, one Gary Busey. <laughs> yes, that, that would probably be the definite strangest. He was... Uh, I don't know if he's just got mental problems or if he's just genuinely a nutcase or what, but he was fun, if nothing else. But I don't know how much his motorcycle accident changed him. 
Yes. Now, I do think he was probably always wild, but I don't remember the Gary Busey when I was young ever hearing about the crazy stuff until after the motorcycle accident. And then well, it seemed it's been wheels off ever since. Certainly capitalized on it. You got an 8 by 10 glossy of Gary Busey dressed as a woman. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what he wrote on it? He signed it to Banana Fart. <laughs> and <laughs> that came about because when I got up to the front of the line, crap, now I can't remember how he started the conversation. Oh, he said, uh, I like your shirt. And I said, oh, thank you. Uh, uh, he said, but I like what's in it better. And I said, well, look at you being a flirt. And he said, did you just call me a banana fart? <laughs> I told him I did not, but that is better. And if he could sign my picture with that, that'd be great. And now you have a treasure. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, just in the event somehow that you pass away before I do, <laughs> I'm ex which is unlikely because uh, <laughs> it's just the nature of the beast that I, I have a much higher chances of dying looking at a girl in a tube top driving down the road. <laughs> But I want you, if you happen to go, heaven forbid, before I do, I expect to get that. Yes, I will I will uh, put a sticky note on the back of it you, for sure. It needs to be a clause in your will because I'm sure you have an ironclad will. <laughs> yes. Written on the back of a uh, of an IHOP placemat. <laughs> and crayon. And crayon, right. It breaks. <laughs> so I did almost get hit by a bus today. <laughs> Um, I was leaving work, going through the hood of Philly, and I was actually listening to a podcast, uh, IJB, which is one of our kind of uh, things that helped us get along, get started, gave us the impetus to. They were talking about how much driving would be safer if everybody had a new car, because the guy that had a, a demo car from a dealership and how it had all these bells and whistle safety features, and I'm listening to that. And I almost ran a red light. I stopped at it, and then I just started up, and here's this bus. You know, so <laughs> I thought that would have been ironic, and no one would have known. But I did not get hit, but still. Next time. Next time. I got a bigger chance of getting shot in Philly. <laughs> so the buses are the least of my worries. So anything else of note from the horror cons? I mean... I would imagine the people there are interesting. It, they definitely come out of the woodwork, and they, they go full-on dressing up and having a good time. Are they like the uh, Comic-Con people where the more obscure the character is, the prouder they are of it? Not at this one, I don't think. I... Yes, I completely understand that, and that is the character I would go for if I was going to do such. But no, these are usually just main characters, or someone is just bloodied or zombied themselves up. Right, and I guess that would be much easier because those I, I do admire the Comic Con people because they really work hard, and the Star Wars people and all that. They really go for these intricate costumes, and again, they are often very obscure characters. Put a lot of effort. But for this, you could just put a little fake blood on you and, hey, look at me. Good to go. Yeah, so it's kind of the, the poor man's avenue, I guess, or the lazy man's avenue. Either way.
because you are such an introvert, but mm-hmm. people still talk to you, I would assume that you are just bombarded with chatter. Um, not not as much there, because I think everyone has an agenda. They're trying to get to their next location. Now, if you're stuck in line, yeah, people will chat you up, but yeah. it's not quite as, since I'm trying to line skip or I'm closer to the front of the line, you're it's not as bad. You're VIP, so you're so yeah. much better than all these pleas. Obviously. How many, and I assume these are like multi-day events, because I Yeah. So that you could, you know, you could kind of manage yours. How many, on a good day, about how many celebrities would you interact with? Uh, I guess probably, you, easily, you could probably get six, seven, eight, easily. If I mean, especially since not all of them are big names. Now, right. if it was a Robert England line for every single person, well, then you might get maybe three or four in, but. You, they, they're pretty good at crowd control and managing and getting people right. moving along. So that's not too much of a beatdown. There was one convention that you went to that I couldn't go, that I actually wanted to go to, but I had to do the, the father thing and go coach a soccer game or something. But you went to a Dukes of Hazard convention, right? Yes. And that was maybe in – it was outdoors. Mm-hmm. Like a drive-in or something? I believe it used to be a drive-in theater, but I don't recall seeing any screen or anything. Right. It basically looked like we were out in the field. So it was not the porno drive-in, the Apache Theater in uh, <laughs> Tyler, Texas then? No, no. That some of our viewers may be familiar For with. that day. I would assume that there were only maybe four people there of... You know, the there were four, four or five, maybe. So you had the Dukes. The Duke boys, Catherine Bach, Daisy Duke. Uh, Cooter. Cooter, yes. There was a couple other people, I think, that were maybe just kind of uh, characters that weren't on all the time, just yeah. other sheriffs or something. But, yes, the main ones were obviously... The Duke Boys and Daisy. Because that was a show where there were not a lot of recurring characters. You had the Dukes and Boss Hogg, who's passed away a long time ago, and Uncle Jesse, who's passed away, and I know James Best has passed away now, Roscoe. Mm -hmm. Maybe you had Enos? Yes. Yeah. He was there. Do you remember when Enos got his own show spun off? I don't think I do. Yeah, that's why there wasn't any Enos after, like, the second season or so. So they spun him off to a show where he was the country boy and he was working with a street-smart black cop. <laughs> and that did not make it, unfortunately. I, don't know I can't how, believe it. Because that just smacks of something that America wants to see. They've been waiting for a <laughs> aw shucks guy with the... Uh, with a jive-talking cough that doesn't take any guff, you know. So, sadly, it did not work. America's lost. I would assume, to me, that Catherine Bach would be the high-priced ticket there. No. Nor was she the crowd favorite uh, from the looks of the lines. That's shocking. I was shocked. I was glad because I didn't care to see the others as much as her. So, 
My line was shorter, but right. So, no. Who was the uh, high priced one then? Tom Wolfat wasn't. He wasn't too terrible, and but his line was pretty long, and apparently he has music CDs that he was busy. Hawking. Yes. Yeah. Um. Now, John Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. His line was super long, and he was the high dollar top name. I would assume Peter's line was not very long. Not not as long. But you got to meet Daisy, so that's probably, I know that for Ty and Heavy, if they were with us, that would have been the main thing to see and to meet. Yes. Because everybody loved Daisy. Yeah, who didn't? She was very nice. I told her that we had slid across many a hood. In our childhood, and she said, "You would not believe how many letters she got from mothers, telling, asking her to please tell the children don't be doing that anymore." Oh yeah, I I, I slid across hoods. I insisted on climbing in and out of the windows and like <laughs> Delta 88s and Caprice Classics and stuff. And mm-hmm. I never could convince anybody to weld the doors shut, but uh, <laughs> I may do. <laughs> Well, I thank you for sharing this uh, illuminating world of horror conventions that I'm pretty sure most of us don't know anything about. And uh, Of course. I'm here to report. I appreciate that. You're kind of like Wolfie on uh, Howard Stern's show. Exactly. So you need to start going to the weird stuff. And then I'm going to have to. Thank you for joining us. And as usual, if anybody wants to contact us, you can find me on Twitter, Real Gustav, and you can... Email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. And to uh, tie it up like Ty would, bye. Now, part of Luke's plan was to get Daisy to make a special trip over to Roof Bottom's general store and buy another red diary just like Roscoe's and meet the boys over at Cooter's Garage. Bernie, you know the only thing wrong with oral sex? The view. <laughs> and world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Saldy. Good night from Dallas, Texas.